Life of Jesus, a devotional study by Melva Perkis. Chapter 20, The Hem of His Garment The sun would be high in the heavens when the little boat made its way over the placid waters of a sea that had hardly recovered from the rebuke of its master. Jesus appears to have said no word to the people he was leaving. He had quietly gone away. Looking back now at the crowd of the receding shore, he must have felt the sadness of their rejection. It was an inoffensive refusal, but it was an ominous foretaste of the brutal one that lay before him. Jerusalem must have seemed far away during those busy days in Galilee, but it was always there, away to the south, hostile, implacable, waiting. The bitter attack of the scribes yesterday and the rejection of the Gergesenes today brought it nearer. We imagine him watching his disciples as they went unconcernedly about their work in the boat the sun shining on their bronzed faces and rippling muscles. How little they knew of the road that lay before them. How could they understand that their beloved Master, who moved everywhere on his mission of love and healing, was going forward to meet a surging wave of hatred and brutality that would not be sated until he hung bleeding on a cross? How could these carefree men dream that they would tread the bitter road of remorse and black despair? Gently he will have to prepare them for these shocks. He will have to show them that discipleship means more than this lovely companionship in the Galilean hills. Recording the arrival at the opposite shore, Luke seems to have caught the spirit of contrast between the resentful crowd who had silently watched Jesus leave them and the eager multitudes who waited to receive him. In an indefinable way he conveys the warm glow of their sincere homage brought to the heart of Jesus. He tells us, when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. They were probably waiting with some anxiety. No ship could have ridden out the raging tempest of the night before. Many of the little ships which Mark had mentioned must have broken from their moorings. The shore would be strewn with wreckage. What had happened to the fishing boat that had carried the Lord into the darkness and the storm? News of his safe arrival spread rapidly. It brought to him an eminent man in deep distress. The only daughter of Jairus, a little girl of twelve, lay dying. Matthew's expression, My daughter is even now dead must be attributed to the extreme brevity of his description. It is inconceivable that Jairus knew his daughter was dead when he first came to Jesus. In their longer accounts, Mark says, lieth at the point of death, and Luke, she lay dying. Casting aside all his dignity, he fell down at Jesus' feet in the midst of the people who had respectfully made way for him. 
for Jairus was the ruler of the synagogue at Capernaum. He seems to have remained aloof from the disturbances that had occurred over the Sabbath observance. He had had abundant evidence of the power of Jesus, yet he had not come before. His daughter must have been desperately ill yesterday when Jesus was in the city, but he had waited until it was almost too late. What had held him back? Was it a fear that his colleagues in the synagogue would disapprove? Did his faith need perfecting? Certainly it was going to be sorely tried before he returned to the stricken bedside. The precious minutes were passing, and Jesus could hardly move a step forward for the thronging crowds. And then someone else stood between Jairus and his daughter. There was a woman in the crowd who was in great need of help. For twelve years she had had an issue of blood, and no physician had been able to help her. There were twelve prescribed cures for this complaint, some of them particularly revolting. Mark says she had suffered many things, and was nothing bettered but rather grew worse. We see a pale, emaciated woman, made timid by the consciousness of her affliction. But she knew of Jesus, and had perfect faith in him. If only she could reach him, she knew that she would be cured. Her great problem was her courage. Even if she could get to him, she could not stand before the crowds and tell him of her need. Then her faith devised the answer. If I may touch his clothes, I shall be whole. Thus she embarked upon her great adventure. When Jesus landed, he had been immediately encompassed by the multitudes, but spurred on by boundless confidence in him, she edged nearer. Roughly she was pushed back. She was crushed and bruised. She felt weak with exhaustion. But she kept her despair at bay and struggled on until at last she stood behind him. Surely her heart stood still, as in one breathless moment she stooped forward and grasped the hem of his garment. Immediately the current of his power surged through her frail body. She knew she was healed. In a confusion of joy she sought to steal quietly away. Suddenly the voice of Jesus arrested her. Who touched me? He turned about and quietly searched the faces round him. Peter, surprised at what must have seemed to him a frivolous question, answered, Master, the multitude throng thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? But Jesus knew, Somebody hath touched me. Knowing that she could no longer be hid, the woman came tremblingly forward and fell at Jesus' feet. Jesus listened while she confessed the reason for her action and witnessed to her cure. Then, commending her faith, he sent her away. We may wonder why Jesus did not let this poor woman escape with her precious secret untold. Matthew suggests the answer. She had said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. 
That was an error which Jesus found it imperative to correct. And so her secret had to be revealed. The power was not in his garment, but in her faith. Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Her faith was great, but her knowledge was imperfect. Without her confession and the blessing of Jesus, she would have known of his power, but not of his love. There is a notable significance in Peter's puzzled question. There is a lesson in it too. It was true that many people thronged and pressed upon Jesus, yet they felt no surge of power, and he felt no virtue leave him. The crowds are with him still, acclaiming him, pressing him on every side. Yet for many there is no contact, and therefore no cure. But from time to time one with deep faith in his power comes infinitely wondering and stooping, touches the hem of his garment, and knows. And in that same instant his master knows also. That man or woman goes forward with the blessing of peace and joy, which only the Lord can give. This delay must have been a sore trial to Jairus, whose daughter's life was hanging by a thread. But it was the lesson his faith needed. Jesus could have cured the child with a word at any moment, as he had done with two other prominent men in that very city. But he did not. Even as he was speaking to the woman, a messenger from the house pushed his way through the crowd and told Jairus it was too late. His daughter was dead. Looking into the tragic eyes, dulled with sudden grief, Jesus gently urged him back to faith with the gracious words he had so recently addressed to his frightened disciples. Be not afraid, only believe. With the crowds pressing hard around him, he came at last to the gate of the courtyard. Here he left them, and taking only Peter, James and John, he went with the stricken father into the house. For the first time these three disciples were separated from the others. They were to be present at this greatest miracle. They were to witness the highest glory of their Lord's earthly life. And they were to enter into his deepest sorrow. The scene in the house was one of bitter wailing, that melancholy tumult which always preceded an eastern funeral. With an imperious gesture, Jesus cried out, Give place! The mourners were no longer needed. This had ceased to be a place of death. The Lord of life was here. The maid is not dead, but sleepeth. The wailing changed to laughter. Surely the mourners were hired. In the inner chamber, when the father and mother were ready to receive their child into their midst, and the three disciples were waiting to behold the glory of God in his Son, Jesus went over to the bed, and with tender affection he took the slender hand as though rousing her from her nightly rest. Little maiden, 
arise. Obediently, the child rose up and walked over to her speechless parents. Whilst Jesus, manifesting his greatest power, yet thoughtful also of the humblest need, bade them give her something to eat.